0: Hello, this is Tim Trelaw, and I play the third Doctor Who for Big Finish Productions. Uh, You are listening to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. Keep collecting.
1: Welcome back to the Doctor Who Collectors podcast. The podcast that explores the insane world of Doctor Who collecting, the collectors themselves and all kinds of Doctor Who merchandise. And sometimes we just talk about Doctor Who. It's a great place to be to talk about it. Brought to you in part by Forbidden Planet and Bags Unlimited Incorporated. I am Larry Van Mersberg and your host, and I've been collecting Doctor Who now for 42 years. Welcome to our 60th episode. Very excited to reach this milestone Celebrating 60 years of Doctor Who this year, of course as well and what a ride it's been Um, You might remember I opened one of the first Doctor Who stores in Chicago that exclusively served the Doctor Who fans back in 1984 I had this idea, you know, when I was uh, 15 years old in my parents house in uh, my bedroom one night And I thought I'm gonna open a Doctor Who store and I'm gonna call it bundles from Britain well lo and behold it actually happened and now we are mentioned in a history book a great book called red white and who the story of doctor who in america uh, bundles from britain permanently lives on page 384 and you can find a link to buy this book on the front page of our website at DoctorWhoCollectors.com. collectors.com we don't get anything for this book we want you to have it you can also find it anywhere you get your books we are part of the direction point doctor who podcast network You can find great Doctor Who podcasts at directionpoint.org. And if you happen to be a listener who hosts a podcast, join today, there's no cost or obligation, and join the ranks of Time Streams, Police Box in a Junkyard, the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, and in the top 10 of the great Doctor Who podcasts of 2022, Traveling the Vortex. So for more information, Go to directionpoint.org and speaking of links i include this information in every episode of my podcast because you don't have to start at the beginning you can start anywhere you like um, these resources are excellent for collectors uh, first place you can go and both absolutely free by the way uh, timelash.com and under that heading go to the tardis library and you can set up a free account To keep track of your media collection, your books, your vinyl, your Betamax, your CD collection, your Target books, your other books. And those are absolutely, that's a free place to track, not only track your collectibles, create want lists, wish lists, maybe even find what you're looking for to convenient links on Amazon or eBay. What a great place to go to get, get your collection together. And we thank Mr. Dan O'Malley for putting that together and keeping it free. If you need to do some intense research on Doctor Who items, you want to find out if something exists or when it was made or how much it originally cost, then you need to go to Howe's Transcendental Toy Box at doctorwhotoybox.co.uk. Of course, Howe is in David J. Howe. David J. Howe is a great friend and one of the best resources for Doctor Who collectors, having had the largest collection in the UK. And if you're looking for great Doctor Who items at great prices, then you don't need to go any further than DoctorWhoStore.com. It's in the name. Uh, That is, of course, Alien Entertainment's website, and you have what you need. They're always running sales. And, of course, if you live in the Chicago or West suburbs, you can select free pickup from the Lombard location. And while you're there, browse the incredible selection of Doctor Who and science fiction items. And now you can also visit their location in Logan Square in Chicago. Visit AlienEntertainment.com for location and store hours. You can also find some great Doctor Who items for your collection at Forbidden Planet. They're one of our sponsors and you don't need to go anywhere except to our website at DoctorWhoCollectors.com. Just select merchandise links and you can do your shopping right there. We get a small portion of the sale, you don't pay any more. But you get the great items. They ship everywhere. They do ship to the United States. And don't forget, we also have our own eBay store. We have a lot of goodies on there, including several new hardcover books that uh, are in mint condition. So if you need to look for those, those are not directly from the collection, but from extra copies that were, that were found. So it's you know we'll pass those along to you. We'll keep our bills paid. What a great way to go here. All, all those proceeds benefit the podcast. In addition, of course, on our website to all the podcasts that are produced from the very beginning to the present day, all 60 episodes are there, we have the complete guide to Doctor Who classic hardcover books. We list a lot of reprints and other things and other information, valuations as best we can. We don't just take the sold Uh, links uh, on eBay because that's not a great way to track what people actually buy for it because it may be different in somewhere else. So we take a lot of different places that sell books and we average those together to come up with an accurate and fair price. So check it out. Um, Coming up soon here, we got Chicago TARDIS 2023. We've already got it going here. I know it's it's a long way off in November. It seems like a long way off. November will be here before you know it. And of course, this is the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who in the, with the best convention in the Midwest. So. You need to get on the email list here at ChicagoTardis.com because they will be making the first guest announcements any day now. And we're doing this podcast in the uh, third week of uh, January, fourth week, almost the fourth week of January now. So um, they're going to be coming out with that information very, very soon. Uh, you don't want to miss this. I'm just going to make a guess out there. I'm sure Fraser Hines will be there because I think he comes with every ticket to your convention. I think it's in his contract. So I think uh, you will see him there, and you can't miss him. If you've met him before, you got to see him again he's a great uh by the way remembers people he meets all over the place and he's very personable a very nice man so you don't want to miss that they'll also have hotel reservations opening up soon and the hotels do fill up fast so don't miss that uh, what's going on with me? Well, this is an exciting year for me as a as a Doctor Who presenter at various places. I have been confirmed uh, to be returning to Consinity 2023. That's the Gathering of the Geeks at uh, Dirks Hall at the Milwaukee School of Engineering University. That is set for April 22nd from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. Uh, you can find out more. There'll be links and information of that on my website. My special thanks, of course, to Nick Seidler for the invitation. He is uh, one of the uh, people running Chicago TARDIS, and he also helps run this wonderful convention in Milwaukee. Got to get up there. Um, I will also uh, be presenting a virtual uh, session on Doctor Who games at Oricon 23. That's a convention that is held in Oregon. A little far for me to get to with the, with the museum, but I'm good friends with some of the promoters there, and we're going to do a virtual uh, thing there. Uh, I have just recently been confirmed To be a returning guest To Octoberfest 2023 Which will be an in-person convention Other guests will be announced soon um, I'm looking forward to being Amongst other guests, it'll be kind of fun To, to do that. Uh, I will be presenting The Doctor Who Collector Showcase and Traveling Museum. In addition to that You can check out an even bi- an even More wild museum experience At the Who Shop uh, in Nor- uh, The Who North America um, The Who Shop of Who North America is I like to call it. Uh, They have an amazing uh, collection. Of course, I was very tickled last year when I was presenting, and he noted that my Dennis Fisher Cyberman had a box. He's got three Cybermen, but no box. So it's nice to know I've got something they don't have. (laughs) (laughs) So that's really cool Um, and also going far future here I am going to be confirmed here as a guest at the Twin Cities console room convention in 2024 That's in uh, Minneapolis St. Paul area Um, I will be doing of course the same thing I'll be bringing the traveling museum up there to do some things as well Uh, It's a very exciting convention. They usually get some great guests. I know this year Sophie Aldred was there So that'll be a lot of fun all right. What's new in the collection? I've got a lot of things en route, but I don't want to talk about them until they get here. I just want to make sure they get here because I've, I've had things lost. Um, I was supposed to get a homemade hardcover edition of City of Death that somebody had made, but it got lost in shipping. And so I've never seen it. But here, it is. here is what has been obtained. I've got a slightly broken Dennis Fisher giant robot. Uh, I did repair the detached leg but I'm missing a claw and the shoulder pieces and of course no box so I'll be looking around for those. Um, I did get an amazing collection of hardcover books. Uh, I had to buy them as a bundle but it included two titles I was missing. First was uh, Frontios in mint condition. All these books were in mint condition by the way and a copy of Doctor Who and the Smugglers. Now you might think what's so special about that? Well In hardcover uh, world, that is the final hardcover that W.H. Allen produced, only 1,000 were printed, making it one of the most hard-to-find books in any condition. Ex-library copies have been going for $500. There's a new copy going for $750 online. And when I averaged out all of these books together, I roughly paid $39.50 for it. So I'm pretty excited about that. The other books that we got are being sold on our ebay store for very reasonable prices we're not marking them up crazy we want to you know we'll, we'll get our investment back plus a little bit to pay the bills i think that's fair so there you go um anyway keep looking deals do happen every once in a while things pop up and uh, once in a while i get i get a pretty good offer that happens quite a bit so it's a it's a very exciting thing all right in other news here uh, looks like i need proof of life um, The classic hardcovers, and this is the best episode to talk about it because we'll be going into that a little bit later. Um, There has been a rumor of news of a copy of Doctor Who and the Space War, third impression, that has been circulating around social media. I I have no evidence in any of my sources to suggest that one was published. Um, The person that said they had one, and then traded it for a first edition is kind of suspect to me. I don't think that sounds right, but why would you do that? But uh, then again, maybe you didn't think that the third edition would be, a third edition would have a few a lesser print run uh, and uh, would also be extremely uh, valuable, even more so than a first edition. A first edition might have had 3,500 copies, um, making it you know, pretty hard to find, although some of those are hard to find in new condition. Uh, the second editions have fewer print runs, and the third edition would have even fewer. So that's that's something to to suggest. Uh, the rumor says that it was published in 78, but um, I have a problem with that. The second printing of Space War was released in January of 79 on the W.H. Allen Longbow uh, label. So that would put it um, back a year uh, still still with W.H. Allen Longbow, but it would be out before the second printing. So a third printing would have been a W.H. Allen release after 1979. So I don't see any evidence of any of those Wingate titles coming out after 1979. So there is a discrepancy here, but if you're out there listening and you're, you've got Space War on your shelf, please check your books. Um, if you happen to see a copy of this alleged third edition, third impression, and it would say third impression. It won't say third edition. It won't say third printing. It'll actually say second impression, and then followed by underneath it, it'll say third impression. Um, only one hardcover book has ever been printed uh, proved to have a third impression, and that's Doctor Who and the Loch Ness Monster. And the reason I can absolutely say that with certainty is I have a copy on my shelf, and I've put photos of it out there. Um, It has that exact wording on the inside page. It'll say first published in this year, then it says second impression this year, and then third impression. Usually that's how they do it. Um, But that's the only book I've ever seen in a third impression. So I'm, I'm, of course, you know, looking at all of the information. I want to check all, you know, I checked the Chris Stone guide. It does not list a third printing. The, uh, the McSmith, uh, online guide based on the popular TV series. I want to get his name correct. It's uh, Paul McSmith edited of uh, the fourth edition. I'm going to have to see if he's got a fifth edition. Maybe it has additional information. Uh, and so far, my, my requests there say, well, somebody said I had a friend who thinks he had one. Well, that's not really proof. So I need to figure out just for our database, and, of course, for collectors out there who are looking to complete their, you know, think they may have a complete collection of hardcovers, but they're missing this third edition that might cause a little bit of, of stir out there. I mean, it's, it's amazing. I know it's just Doctor Who stuff, right? But, no, this is a serious thing for people. And I'm here to educate. I'm here to help. And if there is one out there, we should try to find it. All right. And of course, I love talking with collectors. It's what I do. Uh, share your story here as a guest host. You know, contact me for good details here. Dr. Who Collectors podcast at gmail.com. And uh, we can share your story. I'm, I've got a collector coming up. Uh, uh, John Kolchak Pertwee will be on the, the program. I'll be interested to know because that is his name. And uh, he will talk about his name change and, and what you know his life is about and all that. I'm looking forward to that. So there we go. On today's show. Uh, we do continue our coverage, speaking of classic hardcovers, we are continuing our coverage of that today uh, with the year 1981, and my guest is Professor Tony Witt, who hosts the Doctor Who Target Book Club. Uh, coming up on future episodes, here this is a very exciting calendar for me, this uh, this year has, has been very fruitful. Um, I will be talking with uh, John Walsh, author of a new book called Doctor Who and the Daleks, The Official Guide to the Films, the book has been published. Has, has a reprint already and those books are now available in the United States on Amazon.com. They're wonderful books. John is a wonderful guy and I can't wait to share my uh, my conversation with him. If you're a fan of the Peter Cushing films, that will be a must listen. Also on the calendar, I will be talking with actor Tim trailer who voices The Third Doctor for Big Finish, as well as quite a credit of TV appearances and uh, new things that are coming out. Uh, just a wonderful guy. I really uh, enjoyed meeting him at Chicago TARDIS, and I think you'll enjoy that conversation as well. And you need to stay tuned here because I will have one of the first podcast interviews with the amazing Tasha achilios She is the widow of Chris Achilios, and I will be asking her a lot of questions about the future of Chris's artwork and her involvement in Doctor Who and I sure hope that she does conventions because I would love to meet her um, so check that one out That will be a very um a very good conversation that you know because I've been friends with Tasha for over a year uh, she invited me to um, attend chris's funeral virtually not everybody got that invitation um but i watched the funeral live and it was extremely moving um it's the first time i'd ever seen a dalek honor guard and it was it was very moving uh, the the it was just you know and of course we had chris booked on this podcast for last february uh and sadly we lost him in december of the previous two months um just really sad so but tune in for that um, lots happening here. Also, my last episode of uh, my interview with Mr. Peter Purvis was is now my most popular download. And of course, it's the one that Feedspot didn't feature. <laughs> <laughs> well, their loss. That's okay. Uh, I want to thank our patrons out there. If you uh, want to see exclusive material, including the video interview of my talks with, um, you know, Mr. Peter Purvis or the hardcovers that we show here or, or uh, Mr. Tim Traylor or anybody who, you know, I've talked to in the past, Sadie Miller, Lauren Cornelius, you can find those on our Patreon page at the $15 level, and that will help us keep our, our bills paid for the virtual year. So all you need to do is go to patreon.com backslash Doctor Who Collectors Podcast together, and you can support us there. You can also subscribe to us at Podbean, that's doctorwhocollectors.podbean.com, and click the Become a Patron button to support us at any level. Our theme song is Who's Doctor Who, composed by Barry Mason and Les Reed, performed by Fraser Hines. Uh, Also appearing on the track, Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin on guitar. Who'd have thought? (laughs) You can hear this podcast, of course, anywhere you get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Amazon Music, and Podbean. You can find this anywhere you get your podcasts. We are a Direction Point Network podcast. Learn more at directionpoint.org. Coming up, we've got our main story with Professor Tony Witt and the hardcovers of 1981 – and The Most Outrageous Offer. So we're going to be right back after these wonderful words from these Direction Point podcasts. Stay tuned.
0: Hi, I'm Juliet. And I'm Nathan. Experience Doctor Who from the very beginning through a classic fan's eyes and through the eyes of a new who fan reminisce and relive those classic moments with nathan as he offers fun insight or experience them for the first time with Juliet as she dwells on social issues history fashion and the size of the flashlight we're the time streams podcast find us on spotify stitcher or apple podcasts you're listening to the doctor who collectors podcast keep collecting We are going on a journey, a very long journey, through the world of the Target novelizations publication order. Every week, we are looking at a new book talking about Terrence Dix, Malcolm Hulk, and all our Doctor Who novelization friends. Whatever you do, keep turning the pages. This is Jason Miller of the Doctor Who Literature Podcast, a member of the Direction Point Podcast Network, and you are listening to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. Keep collecting.
1: Are you ready to travel through time with us? Then check out Traveling the Vortex, a Doctor Who podcast. For nearly seven years and more than 500 episodes, we've traveled from one end of the vortex to the other, making different stops with different doctors, reviewing everything from tv stories to audio plays from books to comics and more sean keith and glenn take you on a journey through 50 plus years of doctor who episodes and spinoff materials you can find us wherever you get your podcasts so be sure to check us out and now we're a proud member of direction point a doctor who podcast network you're listening to the doctor who collectors podcast keep collecting
0: up there is the scanner. Those are the doors. That is a chair with a pander on it.
1: Sheer poetry, dear boy. Now it's time for our main story. This is a continuation of our coverage of the classic Doctor Who hardcovers that we've done now for a few episodes. We've so far covered 1974 through 1980 with the imprints of Universal Tandem, which were Alan Wingate, Longbow and W.H. Allen. We start this episode in 1981, where the W.H. Allen imprint is used exclusively. It is not a very robust year, uh, but averaging less than one per month, so a total of 11 hardcovers published with 10 new hardcover publications, but mostly reprints of paperbacks due to the writer's strike that is in full force in this year, which fully impacts W.H. Allen's publishing. Compared with the Target books, which only had six titles published this year. A brief history, again, in 1975, in case you're starting with this podcast, uh, Universal Tandem was sold by UPD to the British conglomerate Howard and Wyndham, and the company was renamed Tandem Publishing Limited, before being merged with the paperback imprints of Howard and Wyndham's general publishing house, W.H. Allen, to become Wyndham Publications Limited in 1976. Of course, in the following two years, the Wyndham identity was completely phased out. The Tandem imprint disappeared last year in 1980 and surviving titles from the backlist were reprinted under W.H. Allen's principal paperback imprint, Star Books. The Target Book imprint survives until 1993, though its later years are completely exclusive to Doctor Who novelizations. The Allen Wingate imprint was forever retired at the end of 1977. Longbow was also retired at the end of 1978, and the W.H. Allen imprint is used until the run-ins in 1988. Of course, any enti- time, of course, I invoke Doctor Who novelizations, uh, we are required, of course, by the order of the former Companion Support Group. And uh, it took 14 ballots to uh, basically elect Mr. Tony <laughs> Witt... <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, I I'd like to think it took less than that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I- Ian was a holdout. <laughs> uh uh-huh, Of course. <laughs>
1: but as we always try to keep current events in our in our podcast uh, uh, for better the, or
0: for worse. For better or for worse
1: for for whatever happens but uh watching watching history actually I should say what not watching history unfold but history slowly swirling the toilet bowl uh, but <laughs> Um, But anyway, we're very happy to have Professor Tony Witt uh, on our program. He is the host and producer of the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, a Direction Point Network podcast. And uh, welcome back to the show, Tony. And uh, thank you for being on the 60th episode in time for the 60th anniversary season.
0: And thank you for having me and for comparing me to Kevin McCarthy. That oh, was uh, not even very that, not, unexpected,
1: <laughs> not even close. No, I, I, I would never do that to a friend. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 uh, I, I know, uh, I, I know we're not supposed to be political on this podcast, but I'll say I watched this. <laughs> I watched this through, um, you know, basically neutralize as I have a little bit of a background in political science. And I thought, I am watching a dumpster fire mm-hmm. <laughs> happening in progress. And, yes. and just you know, they um and uh I'm waiting for the next rap song to come out because they came out with a video vo- montage of the house clerk saying <laughs> speaker has not been elected. A speaker has not been elected. Get ready for that. So <laughs>
0: but it'll well, be more catchy than the theme to K9 and company, that's for true.
1: Goodness, you know, and I, I listened to uh your, your podcast on that. It was um, you know. It's a it's it's an interesting story, and I I actually have the 45 that you guys talked about. Oh, I'm Um, so sorry, (laughs) and and I I got it, and it's like I I almost uh, it's I I think next time around if John Leeson comes back, I'll have him sign that too. But that's uh, the only disappointing thing is that on the cover of the of the 45. It's just a picture of the dog. I said, where's Liz Slade Yeah,
0: <laughs> Well, know, that's are- not the only disappointing thing. I mean, oh, no, I know there's more, who, but <laughs> who could have thought that the musical <laughs> genius of Ian Levine could let us down so much.
1: Well, I mean the same the same people that uh like J- Jimmy Page and uh, Fraser Hines with who's doctor who. <laughs> so, well, <laughs> although yeah, that's but probably better. That. Yeah. That's probably a little better. So, ah, oh, well anyway, on to the on to the matter at hand here cuz uh, by the way, these hardcovers are extremely sought after today and you might have to rent out part of your house and open up an Airbnb to afford them. Um, They can be found in a couple different ways. You can find them in ex-library edition, which is pulled or stolen from a library, or a non-library edition, which is a retail store version or a publisher review copy or otherwise unmarked copy of the book. Uh, Many, many of these titles were the first to be distributed in the USA, but not until 1985. And that would be me. (laughs) So there we go. Uh, Tony, any memories of 1981 that
0: come back to you? Oh, my goodness. You're really putting me <laughs> on the spot here. In 1981, <laughs> we were still I know we were still getting over the election from the previous year. So that was still yeah. happening. First full year of the Reagan era. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I but I have entered middle school by that point. Possibly. Oh God! If that's the case, then I do have memories of it, and I'd rather oh. not go back there. Yeah, I, I so, was yeah. gonna
1: say that's. Uh, I'm I'm also in middle school at that point, so that's. Um, mm. I certainly get that. Uh, but anyway, let's tell let's tell our listeners here uh, what happened in Doctor Who in 1981 because it was an exciting year. Uh, and in March of 1981, the NATPE exhibit in New York. Time Life Television promotes its latest syndication package, which includes 74 brand new episodes of Doctor Who, seasons 16 to 18, the latter of which had not yet concluded on British television. And this was really exciting. Uh, Two of the first stations to buy this package were KRMA in Denver, Colorado, and OETA in Oklahoma. They started screening them in May of 1981. However, this promotion is short-lived because Time Life's 10-year contract with the BBC expired in April of 1981. So, one month later, somebody forgot to pay the phone bill, and uh, <laughs> it was not renewed. So, um, that's really a shame. Uh, the, fir- the two of the first stations to buy this package, by the way, um, you know, I, I, I already mentioned that. I have that twice. I'm sorry, folks. That's how things go in the podcast sometimes. <laughs> anyway, um, Going forward, here in June of 1981, and by oh, by the way, just for the for the viewers out there, this was the pamphlet that came out uh, for the uh, brand new package of Tom Baker episodes, and uh, you'll notice, Tony, this is the uh, Chris Achilleos artwork here. Mm-hmm. Yes, and uh, inside they list all the episodes from Robot to Logopolis with the exact wordage that TV guides used all across the country. Mm. So that was nice that they did that. And this was from Lionheart Television. So that was the newest, the new distributor uh, that replaced Time Life books. And, of course, you can see that the cover was taken directly from the second monster book. Mm-hmm. Oh, so there we go. In June of 1981, the fourth and final issue of Marvel premiere featuring Doctor Who, and that would be this issue right here, uh, hit the uh, hit the, uh stands there and uh, the reprints of course come out in a couple of years just to remind everyone they did four of those in uh, in the uh previous year they did marvel premiere featuring doctor who they had to rename the title because city of the damned was uh, rejected by the comic code authority and so it's uh you know it's basically uh, the cursed i guess they changed it to yeah and then that's the the next one these were actually very nicely drawn and you'll see these come Especially out again. That one. Yeah, this is a good one too. The I love that one. I uh, I've had those for for many many years. Uh, In July of 1981, this was exciting. The very first issue of Fantasy Empire magazine comes out uh, by New Media Publishing. Magazine contains news and features of all manner of British television. Doctor Who gets extensive coverage, as uh, you can see by the cover of the uh, Five Faces of Doctor Who. Uh, New Media Press will publish 19 regular issues plus various specials and compilation issues between 81 and 85. And one small note of worth here. The editor of this magazine was John Peel. Mm -hmm. So there we go. In July of 1981, Pinnacle Books ceased publishing all reprints of their Doctor Who uh, title. It's not clear if whether or not their license had expired or the sales were just at a point where they didn't consider to continue it. The North American edition of the fanzine Celestial Toy Room reports that Lionheart has sold its first 98 issues uh, episodes to a bunch of stations. I'm not going to list them all, but the ones you might recognize include uh, WTTW Chicago and WOR in, uh, I believe that's Atlanta. So the full package, uh, of course, we took the, uh, the bonus package. We got all 172 episodes here in Chicago. So that was really exciting. Uh, The magazine that announced uh, basically that WHYY was one of the first stations to air the full-length movie format editions. uh, WTTW was still showing the half-hour editions in 1981. In August of 81, before he ever appeared on screen as The Doctor, Peter Davison makes his first U.S. convention appearance in Tulsa, Oklahoma, joining him as John Nathan Turner. Uh, Interviews were both published in Fantastic Films magazine, issue 28. In September of 81, even though the first season of Peter Davison stories haven't even screened yet, those seven serials are offered in advance to the U.S. cable station, the Entertainment Channel. I don't know if you remember that channel, Tony.
0: Oh, yes. Yes, definitely.
1: However, for reasons that are not clear, the Entertainment Channel deal never went ahead. If it had, that would have meant that those Davison episodes would have first appeared here in the United States ahead of the U.K. screening. Mm. That would have been something and of course late in that i believe november of 81 the doctor who fan club of america is launched in denver colorado i i was a member of that group for many years i don't
0: know did you ever join that one i was supposed to be uh, that oh. was one of the um in 1983 as part of the five doctors uh pledge drive my particular pbs station offered that as one of the premiums and somehow i i got the membership card, but never got the membership package.
1: Oh, they probably had a miscommunication between the TV station and the club, probably. I think that's, so. That's uh, that's a shame. There it's a great group. And I remember they were uh they were featured in many documentaries over the years. And um and of course then uh the big branch in Chicago that opened up a couple of years later was uh the I believe the uh, many I'm trying to think of it here, the friends of Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. And that was a big one here. It also went bust pretty fast, too. So a lot of a lot of the fan clubs kind of grew in the early 80s. And then by the end of the 80s, they all kind of died away. Um, so that's that's kind of how 81 landed with that. So going to the books here in 1981, all the Doctor Who hardcovers will be WH Allen hardcovers with printed laminated covers. Uh, and of course, I have all but one and one I will probably never have. It is extremely uh, rare and uh, it never got sent to the united states but i do have an update though as of today i have a complete set of 1980 hardcovers nightmare of eden has been located oh
0: and awesome. and,
1: uh, and and the least the last place i looked of course was Store.com. alien entertainment had a copy oh wow <laughs> so and a, and a mint copy too so it was really really nice so i i got that uh, i'll be picking that up from the store sometime this week so 1980 i can check off the list but that's the only Uh, year I have complete now. But this year, uh, and I'll do a little spoiler alert here. The one I can't get is an unearthly child. And when we Mm -hmm. get to that point, I'll explain why. Uh, So we start in January of 1981 with the book uh, Doctor Who and the Creature from the Pit by David Fisher. The cover is by Steve Kite. Now, uh, you'll note the cover. And uh, those of you watching this will see the image of Tom Baker here and the uh, the reference for this photo is a publicity photo that tom did with some Daleks outside of bbc headquarters
0: <laughs> yes that looks familiar yeah.
1: <laughs> so i had to i had to look that up i thought i had that photo actual photo in my collection but i don't it was one of the big sellers back in the day. Uh, The original painting of this book is owned by Jeremy Skinner, who often displays it at many conventions in the UK. So you may have, if you're a UK listener, and I've got quite a few out there. So, uh, you know, cheerio to all you folks out there. um, You might see this painting at a convention near you. 3,250 copies were printed. And this book had a price of £4.25, which was a significant price increase only eight months after the last price hike. It will, of course, increase again before the end of the year. Uh, that uh, price in today's dollars, by the way, would be $28.18. Mm. This book was sold in the USA and is not very hard to find in either library or non-library conditions. Uh, the price that we sold it here in the United States was $15, and I believe we sold out of those books. I uh, remember specifically a lot of these books just flew off, flew off the table very quickly, uh, you can expect to pay about a hundred to hundred and fifty dollars for a book like this. I wouldn't pay more than that because there are a lot of them out there. A little bit less for the ex-library copy.
0: So, uh, how did the Target Book fair, Club fare on this story? Uh, that was episode one thirteen of the podcast. And Dalton gave it a strong three. Allison gave it a 2.5, which for her is quite high. That's pretty
1: high for Allison. Yeah. But
0: she also cheated a bit because she listened <laughs> to the audio uh, the audio book that read, read by Tom Baker, which is, as she put it, a very different experience.
1: Oh, it definitely is.
0: Yeah. Yep. And I gave it a 3.5. And that half point is because Fisher was trying way too hard with this book to tr- prove that he was Douglas Adams and not uh, Terrence Sticks. Yes, yes. Yeah. So he tries just a little too hard with it. It's not as good as his later books. Uh,
1: and, and then one more note, too, in the television serial, uh, we had a special guest appearance by Doctor Who companion uh, Jacqueline Hill, who appeared in the uh, episode. And I think I'm right with that. Uh,
0: think you're thinking that. of Megbus, right?
1: Oh, no, no, no. Um, I think she was in Creature from the Pit. Nope.
0: No, she was in Megalos.
1: Megalos. Oh, I'm sorry. I am confusing the two.
0: However, however, there was a notable guest star in that episode. In fact, there are two. Oh, okay. One. One of them is, oh, God, what is the name of the character? But the older woman in that appeared in the very first episode an Unearthly Child. Oh, yes, yes. Actually, she appeared in the second episode from then on. But yeah, there we go. And the other one was the actor who uh, actually auditioned for the first Doctor, but didn't get it. And I'm blanking out on their names right now, but he played Organon.
1: Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, well, that makes sense. And I apologize uh, to my listeners. I'm, you know, that we record these at the end of the day and uh, both of us are teachers for our living. So
0: it's been a long day. It's been a long day.
1: So uh, stick to the script, Larry. Okay, so there we go. Um, next, okay, we go to February here where we have uh, Doctor Who and the Terror of the Autons by Terrence Dix with the cover by Alan Hood, which is the same cover that they used for the Target reprint. Um, about 2,500 copies were printed less than last month. This book was not part of us distribution, very hard to find. And that's part of the reason why, uh, an unearthly child was hard to find. It had a very little, much lower print run. Um, this copy also has the illustrations in it by Ellen Willow. They just mm. basically reprinted the entire, uh, target book. Uh, it suggests that they just use target book plates for this book. This book was actually in preparation for six months, even though the plates were already prepared. According to an article in the October 79 issue of Superstar Heroes magazine, Pinnacle was going to publish this title in 1980, but lost, but lost the rights when Lyle Stewart was granted U.S. distribution rights for Target and W.H. Uh, Allen. However, Target editions of Pinnacle books were not available in the United States until 1985. And the reason I know that is that we have a special little section in the bundles from Britain catalog from 86 that said target novelizations of pinnacle books now available. And I Ooh. remember that being a thing because we were we were confused why we couldn't get, let's say, Day of the Daleks or the Loch Ness Monster. And they said, oh, we can't ship those to the United States. We have a, a there's a ban There's a block on those. And, but then in 85, they said, oh, yeah, we could sell those now. so. I think it had to do with the deal with Pinnacle. So that's that's an interesting thing. So that's um, that's something, again, the Bundles catalog. And just to explain to the listeners, too, the reason why that uh, you're going to see a bunch of these titles come through in the next uh, few books that were already paperback that became hardcover with the same cover because there was a writer strike in full uh, force at this point. So they had to use t- material that was already prepared. They could not get new material. Terrence Dix, fortunately, also part of this writer strike. So he could not write a new book, which was really sad. That explains why there were only six target books that year. Anyway, this book can go for about $300 or more. So this goes
0: back a little ways for you. But uh, what was the verdict on Terror of the Autons? It goes back to episode 54. Uh, Dalton gave it a four. Allison gave it a 3.5. She actually said that she was tossing cats and babies in the air on this one and proclaimed it one of the better dicks we've ever had, which, of course, caused (laughs) merriment. And I also gave it a four. Across the board, we were impressed with this book, mainly because this was back when Terrence Dicks still cared.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, he was fully on. I I this is one of the books I enjoy. I actually enjoyed the uh, the TV episode. I got to see it when I was uh really young. It was part of the Pertwee package that we got and uh, I'll never forget the uh the guys with the Big Heads handing out <laughs> daffodils. That was, my... <laughs> that was that was a lot of fun. Uh in March, uh we get Doctor Who and the Enemy of the World by Ian Martyr with a cover by Bill Donahue. 3,500 copies were printed, but again, the remaining inventory for this book came to the USA in 1985. Bundle sold this book for $17, and they all sold out. David Whittaker was actually working on this book before his death in February of 1980, and Ian Martyr took over. Uh, and other notable things, this is the first time the word bastard appears in a Doctor Who novel. <laughs> Uh, Steve Kite was supposed to be the original artist for the Whitaker book, but for unknown reasons, this cover was chosen instead. It is also the last, uh, the, the target version of this book will be the last target book to use the Lodge or Diamond logo on the book even though it goes back and forth with the hardcovers for a bit because of that writer's strike and they didn't bother to change the covers either. They just kept the cover. So you'll see one go to the neon logo and go back to the diamond logo. So it's not consistent with the hardbacks, but this was the final target to use it. Uh, My copy is the copy I had from 1985. It is still a mint clean uh, copy that we had. Uh, it does not bear the Lyle Stewart sticker on the back. I don't know if I, I don't see it evidence that it was there. Some of them came without it, uh, but it does have the four pound 25 price on the back. Uh, the price of this book has been going for about $300 or more, depending on condition. Uh, Alien Entertainment, by the way, right now, if you want to get a copy of this book in mint condition, they've got one at WhoStore.com for $375. So, He's got a few of these left. Uh, this also goes a little further back for you, Tony. So, um,
0: Just a bit. What was the uh, rating on this one? This was episode 39. And Dalton and I were alone on this one for some reason, because I don't know if Allison couldn't join us or what, but he gave it a two saying okay. that martyrs writing can't save this one. In fact, up to that date, I think that was the lowest book he had ever rated. Wow. And I gave it a one. I absolutely hate this book, to be honest. Okay. Mainly because <clears throat> I honestly did not know that Whitaker started it and Martyr finished it. I, I It feels like Martyr may have chucked most of Whitaker's manuscript because mm-hmm. it is, it's definitely a martyr book, but it's not martyr at his best. Okay. Which is unfortunate.
1: Yeah. And it's a shame that Whitaker, if Whittaker had finished this book, that might have made a huge difference uh in the story i'm sure because i this is actually one i've never read but um i i did uh with with uh of course this is one of the stories that was recovered uh so i did watch it when it was fully recovered uh from uh wherever i think wherever they got it from and Mm -hmm. it's an interesting story and it shows patrick troughton playing a brilliant dual role um in that. And of course, Fraser is also very good in this one. So it's a it's I thought it was I thought it was a pretty good TV story. Um and but of course, as you just heard, the book not so much. And probably mm. and, and my guess is of course, you're I'm, I'm finding a lot of this new information I'm getting from some new sources. Uh and this makes sense, actually. There, there's some corroboration to this too, that if Ian Martyr took a lot of David Whitaker's material and tried maybe to use it and it wasn't his true book, or what maybe he wasn't, you know fully into it i don't know
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah i think if ian martyr had been given the script with no material at all he might have done it but it also is a very odd story for ian martyr to be adapting it's much more the sort of thing that terrence dicks would have done a good job with
1: yeah and again with the writer strike uh yeah. that was not an option so uh yeah this is this is gonna be a rough year i think uh next uh we go to april and we get Doctor Who and the Green Death by Malcolm Hulk with the cover again by Alan Hood. Uh, The illustrations are still in this book also done by Alan Willow. And by the way, the only book that Malcolm Hulk does that's not based on one of his own scripts and the reason we, by the way, I said, again, the reason we're getting a lot of these older books is the writer's strike uh, that affected all new publications. 2,750 copies of this were printed, just like the last title. The remaining inventory was sold to me in 1985, and we sold it for $15. They sold out very quickly. Uh, I didn't get a copy back then, so I've got an ex-library copy here. It's actually not a bad copy here. It's in really good shape with just a, uh, just a sold stamp on the inside front cover. Uh right now, you can actually get a mint copy of this book if you want to do that at DoctorWhoStore.com for $275. So these books are available. And uh, on the back here, they actually list the books uh, that were available at the time. Just going through this list here, Armageddon Factor, Curse of Peladon, Keys of Marinus, Nightmare of Eden, Horns of Naimon, Monster of Peladon, Creature from the Pit, and Terror of the Auton. So pretty much up to uh, Enemy of the World on the back of the book. Uh, so, uh, again, also Joe Grant's final story. She leaves to get married to, to Stuart in this story. It's a, it's a sad story for that. Um, Katie Manning always talks about this as one of her favorite stories, even though it was her last one, there was a lot going on in this story and she had a big plot point. So that was a big deal for her. Uh, Tony, what was the club's verdict on this one?
0: Uh, episode 68 was where we looked at this one. We were all impressed with it, though. Dalton gave it a four. Allison gave it another 3.5, so she was on a roll at that point. I gave it a 4.25. The oh. biggest problem that we had with it was the ending, because mm. yeah. I I don't know what it is with Malcolm Hulk, but the, it's true of the next book we're going to look at as is- well well Mm -hmm. uh, for some reason he didn't quite stick the landing and that beautiful ending that we get on screen with joe uh uh, joe at the um announcement party and the doctor leaving on his own
1: yeah it's
0: handled in two pages yes and i know i
1: just looked at that i'm like yeah there it is and it's
0: very abrupt and he got into bessie and drove away yep that's it i'm missing the the
1: word just the words the end (laughs) yes exactly
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the end
1: that's it yeah it's it's a maybe that maybe he just wasn't again maybe not so much into it because uh since and again uh the the script for you know um terence dix was not a lot you didn't see it you don't see a lot of terence dix this year except for reprints but um he wasn't available or couldn't do it or wasn't able to because of the strike mm-hmm. and and of course they include all the original uh illustrations are in here from the original target plates so it's, it's, it's an interesting thing because most of the uh, previous year, there were no illustrations in the book. So they kind of were going away from that. And then now we're going backwards to old plates because we got to get a book out. Even though the sales weren't very good, um, based on, you know, when I look back now on the number of copies we got in 85, and it was a lot of copies that did not sell. So it's a it's a shame there. Uh, of course, in May uh, we get two books that don't require a review because the two books that came out were Doctor Who and the Program Guide, <laughs> Volume One <laughs> and Volume Two, and uh, we get them by uh, Jean-Marc Ollaspiere and uh, Barry Letz, and the cover beautiful cover is here by Bill Donahoe of the of the Five Doctors. There, um, this uh, of course, putting these books out at this time has everything to do with the writer strike. Because there was no novel here. So there was no, uh, this was a new copy. New Target books were issued at the same time. And uh, two book club editions were also put out. I cannot find any leads on those book club editions. Not sure if they ever even got printed, but they were supposed to be for the uh, AFC book club in Britain. They did both of these books in hardcover, but not sure if they did the Allen copies or they did new copies. So far, I've got no leads on that. Uh, these were the first detailed guides to the series that go beyond. Uh, that was which contained in the Radio Times 10th Anniversary Special. Um, I meant to pull that one to show everybody, but you'll have to just take my word for it. Um, I do have it. But uh, uh, former producer and writer Barry Letts provides a foreword to both volumes, and uh, the later edition in 1989 replaces it with a new foreword by John Nathan Turner. The 94 edition reprint has no foreword, and I'm not sure why they did hardcover editions of these. I think they were just filling up the, the month. Um, the Carver art of course was reused for the target book gift sets. So those were nice. Um, these hardcovers, by the way, can be had for $20. <laughs> I bought this one off Amazon for $20. Wow. I got it today. Uh, it, it actually has, it's not something I was missing. I've got my other copy here that I've had since 1985, but I thought I'm going to go ahead and buy this. If it's $20 and it's a hardcover, right. it is a mint condition hardcover of this book 20 bucks so there we go i wouldn't pay more than 20 bucks for these i mean for one thing all the information here is outdated mm-hmm. and um and completely uh uh you know it it ends at a certain point i mean the uh the stories i think only go through the uh the first season of peter davison yeah or maybe maybe the second um in fact uh no actually they go through Legopolis.
0: So oh, they so they didn't even bother to go the, through the 80s.
1: Yeah, they show him on the cover, but he's in, isn't in the book. Uh, but that's that's it's really interesting how that how that happened. Um, did do you did you ever
0: own uh, any of these in paperback or? No, no, I never actually bothered with those. Even when I had a much more full collection before Katrina, I never bothered with the program guides or any of the uh, uh, extras, extras stuff. Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I remember, I think, I actually think I remember covering those in the unusual Target episode we did a while back. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's interesting is that we had these at Bundles from Britain. We had both of these, we had tons of these. And I remember uh, looking at these going, we can't price these at the same level. So Gene and I decided to put them out at $12. Mm-hmm. And so they sold. Like, People bought them because, well, for one thing, they hadn't seen these before. They hadn't seen hardcover editions, so right. that was the, that was like, look, new, fancy, shiny. I want that. You know, that was that was that was the idea. And of course, we were just grinning ear to ear because you know that was a twenty thousand dollar weekend in 85. So I mean, that was a that was a beautiful thing. I, you know, I was sixteen years old. I'd never seen that much money in my life, <laughs> and I haven't yet again. So. <laughs>
0: As you said, we're teachers. Yes. Well, I,
1: my, one of my um, dear, I don't know if you remember the show Head of the Class. Yes, uh, yes. My my favorite line from Billy Connolly is he he fakes a heart attack to go to the emergency room, and he said, <laughs> and they say to him. Sir, you can't come in here. This is a place for people with no visible means of support. And he says, I'm a teacher. I have no
0: visible <laughs> means of support.
1: <laughs> and I always remember that. That was, I mean, he was only on, I think, for a season or two at the end when Howard Hessman left. But it, that was a brilliant line for, for that. So, yeah, the program guides, uh, I like I said, search Amazon. You might get lucky with this one for 20 bucks. And uh, that that's um just something else and of course um we go to june of 1981 and we get doctor who and the sea devils from 1981 here and uh malcolm hulk with the cover by john geary and the illustrations by ellen willow now i told you that they used the original target plates but we got really lazy with this one hmm. it looks like they just pasted it on there Ugh. i mean with the blue and the it, this is the uh, this is the, the target book without the target logo just Slap it on there. Oh and just, wow! That's that's how it looks. And um, I'm trying to think. I don't have any other books that look like that. It was just this one. And um, it's crazy. Uh, this is the last hardcover to use the the lodge logo uh, or the diamond logo. The ones after this will all be the uh, the neon logo. This book was in uh, the U.S. distribution at a cover price of fifteen dollars. This is my copy from that time. It is in crisp condition it hasn't been opened so it's it's a beautiful copy of this book uh the writer's strike um, again ha- happened there they published hardcovers that were already uh published in paperback and this uh this book now about goes for about 125 so not very expensive in the relationship to hardcover books and you can find a lot of these in new condition uh because of u.s distribution
0: uh so what was the rating on sea devils tony that was episode 61 dalton gave it a 3.75 allison gave it another 2.5 she said however it's uh two and a half happy stars she was actually (laughs) pleased with it but she also had a problem with the ending in this one and i gave it a 3.75 yeah again he doesn't quite stick the landing but the rest of it is is a really gorgeous book
1: Oh, good, good. Yeah, it's it's also one of my favorite TV stories, and one of the most iconic uses of the sonic screwdriver mm-hmm. ever used in a in a uh, program. And uh, I um I was uh, I was I was enlightened when I did uh, I recorded uh, uh, Brian Wiega's presentation at Chicago TARDIS on the sonic screwdriver. He did a really detailed history of the prop, and. Uh, basically showing John Pertwee holding a tire gauge <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> or whatever it was and he said that actually it was part of a um the the sound jar was part of a microphone used in the Jerry Anderson and part of another piece that they used somewhere else and they melded the two together oh, and, wow. and the thing was always breaking and they were always gluing it back together because <laughs> The bottom line was the BBC was cheap, and they only had one.
0: Mm-hmm. of course,
1: <laughs> so um, I've I've noticed that from uh, you know in, in talking with Peter Purvis at, at the same time he said, "Yep, we only had one, <laughs> so <laughs> there was no backup." So that that it it's definitely um, you know just it's eye opening when I do these interviews and I learned so much about props and I learned about the, a lot about the First Doctor and it was really exciting and and this next book surprised me because I had never opened this book until tonight. And I discovered something incredibly amazing that I don't think the guy that sold it to me knew he had. So in July of 1981, uh, we get Doctor Who and the Cybermen by Jerry Davis with the cover by Bill Donahue with the original illustrations by Ellen Willow. 3000 copies were printed and bundles from Britain had this copy in uh, in abundance in uh, 1985 for $15. Every copy sold out at TARDIS uh, 22. Uh, you can expect to pay about 185 for this book. In fact, Alien Entertainment at drwhostar.com has a new copy of this for $185. Cool. This is the first uh, hardcover to use the Sutton logo or the neon logo, as we like to call it. And it will remain this way until late 1987. Now, the surprise that I got is when I opened it up for the first time today, uh, usually I opened up when I opened the book it actually went to the title page, but there's a page that's stuck over here and I pulled it back and it is autographed
0: by Michael craze. Oh my goodness. Oh, and
1: so I, I, I had to look at the autograph and it said Ben in quotes here. And I'm looking, that's Michael craze. Wow. So, and the beautiful thing about it is that it's actually, a, it's actually Larry right here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so i can i can't claim i got it but this is even better <laughs> <laughs> like it was meant to be it was
1: meant to be <laughs> but like i said when i open every time i open the book it goes it, it sticks a little so i went wow. back i'm like whoa so i i when i repackage this i've got some acid-free paper i'm going to stick in the front there to preserve that but you know because unfortunately michael craze is no longer with us but that that was a shock to me that actually, I, I did not pay very much for this book, but I think the author also, the person who sold it also had that same issue where he opened the book and it didn't go to that page and didn't notice that there was anything in there because there's no other marks in this book. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's not a library book. I have no library marks in it. It's just a well-read copy. So it's, it's just a beautiful book with, uh, with Ben's, uh, uh autograph on it which is pretty cool um so uh again uh this is an older book for you uh this goes back way back um although we go further back in a few books here (laughs) yes so what happened with uh doctor in the cyberman or the moon base which is the televised title
0: That, that was episode 32 And Danny was on the podcast For that particular episode He gave it the lowest score Which was 2 And both (laughs) Dalton and I gave it a 2.5 Because to be honest When Jerry Davis is bad He is really, really bad Really bad (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is not Tomb of the Cybermen. This is simply the Cybermen. the Cybermen. And one of the problems that Danny specifically said with it is it doesn't have the Doctor and Company in it, really. It's really? much more about the Moon Base and about the Cybermen. And the Doctor and Company really don't play much of a role in the in the book version i think that's probably the biggest difference between the televised version and the book version but it's also kind of a middling story on screen as well
1: yeah i noticed that too and i finally got to watch the entire thing with the animated uh inserts and I, it it helped me a little bit because i've seen the first i've seen the episode uh two and four for many years Uh, back when I saw the flickering camera copy in the eighties back to uh, lost in time uh, when it was a little clearer and it was very uh, I I, back the uh, later edition. I could understand the Cybermen a little bit better because the old copy had a, real bad audio but mm. so, so you, the cyberman would talk it would be like <laughs> yeah. no idea what no idea what you're saying i got nothing <laughs> so, <laughs> and uh, but i am surprised too because the artwork does depict moon-based cybermen yeah. and for a while in fact the the previous Achille, uh, Achilles cover uses a revenge of the cybermen cybermen on the cover because they were they had a policy of not confusing the readers
0: so <laughs> this was uh <laughs> And yet they titled this the Cyberman the making which, you think it as I did when I first read this book way back in the 80s, that it was the first Cyberman story. Right, so I could, right. I could yeah. not understand how it was that Polly knew who the Cybermen were.
1: Yeah, it's uh that, that was always a head scratcher for me, too, because I thought, why not call it Doctor Who and the Moon Base? But they had to have the Cybermen in the title, mm-hmm. uh, to, to sell the book. But the 10th planet doesn't have Cybermen in the title, right. so so again, it's it's you know, you get to editors and management and all kinds of things happen.
0: I have two theories about that. okay. The first one is that if they called it Doctor Who and the Moon Base, what's the actual publication date on that book? Uh, the publication date uh, is July 81. 81. Okay. So that's probably not going to be, uh, that probably knocks out one of my theories, which is there may have been some confusion with Space 1999, because there was a moon base in that show. <laughs> yes, there, Oh, yes. And the other thing is that the 10th planet, even though you're right, it's not renamed, it does have the original Cybermen on the cover. And mm-hmm. it also says first appearance of the Cybermen on the bottom. Yes. So at, probably so you don't get confused with this book.
1: Right. <laughs> and of course, Revenge of the Cybermen came out long before this copy came out. Mm-hmm. So, who knows? So you're, so uh, yeah, who knows. But uh like I said, I'm happy for a for a, a bonus here that I got Michael Craze's autograph in this book. Oh yeah. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. Uh, all right, next, um uh, we get a very un- interesting book. It happens to be my, one of my favorite stories of all time. Uh, we get Doctor Who and the Day of the Daleks by Terence Dix with the cover by Andrew Skilleter. Wonderful cover. Uh, no illustrations. This is one of the few books that they got a new cover. They, you know, they had the plates ready to go. They actually got the plates of the fifth. It was the sixth printing of the Target book, which finally corrected the typos. So the typo does not appear in this hardcover. Uh, 3,000 copies were printing, and this book uses a new typesetting, completely new typesetting method. So this book was part of the distribution in USA. It sold for $15. Um, the original painting is still in the pro- in the possession of Andrew Skilliter, and you can get prints of this cover for at uh, Um, For some incredibly strange reason, this book is extremely hard to find and has gone for 750 or more. Oh, my goodness. In some auctions, uh, both library and ex library. This copy is the copy I've had since 1985 because it was, day of the, didn't you know this? Day of the Ox is one of my favorite stories. Uh, is I I said, I'm taking this. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm taking this. If you want me to put fifteen bucks in the till, you take like, No, take it, take it. So, <laughs> so I I took the book, and I'm glad I did because you know in about ten years or so, this could be part of my retirement package right here. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I have some good news for listeners here because Alien Entertainment still has some copies of the original bundles from Britain, and they're selling for four seventy five.
0: <laughs>
1: now I talked to Gene about that, and he said. He said, Yeah, I saw those for 750 And I said, Are they out of their mind? So <laughs> he said he wasn't going to match that. And he's usually pretty, um you know, if there's somebody out there selling something that he has for a lot more, he won't even sell his. Uh, like right now, there's a Chicago uh, TARDIS poster that somebody's promoting out there, signed by everybody, that they're asking $4,000 for. Oh, my God. Gene's got 30 of them at the store and he can't sell one. He says, I won't sell any of them because if I do, That's just going to propagate that whole thing, and so there, you know, he's very much against price gouging, like I am, Um, and he's shut down a lot of operations too. I think I I may have shared this story before, but there was a woman that came into the shop with us another signed photo from TARDIS twenty one that had John Pertwee's signature on it, and he goes, "Oh yeah, yeah, I remember these." And she, you know, he made an offer to her, and then she said, "Oh, I've got thirty more." And he goes, "Well, wait a minute, you didn't tell me that." That changes everything. And I guess she was going around to different shops all over Chicago and Indiana trying to pock these posters. Mm-hmm. And I remember the story um, when John was signing these posters, Norman Rubenstein, who is the CEO of Spirit of Light, somebody in his uh, circle kept sliding additional posters into the pile when John wasn't looking. And famously, John said at the end, I know for a fact I didn't sign 3000 of those. hmm you know and um and he couldn't uh he couldn't prove it but that's why you'll see people like Fraser Hines with a clicker mm-hmm. so he can keep track of all the autographs cuz John was like you better make sure you keep track of it or they'll rip you off <laughs> you know <laughs> but that's uh but it's an interesting uh, story with this book um of course uh the uh my my favorite uh story of all time of course my when I was when I was a young kid, I had a huge crush on Anna Berry, who uh, was one of the gorillas, and I got her autograph. I think I, I know if I don't told, did I tell you that story, Tony. Yes, you did. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, it's a great story. I ran into her at a different event and uh, I saw her and I said, are you the same Anna Berry?" And so she got the photo out of her stuff and signed it for me. It was her holding the gun to John Pertwee. It was really quite cool. Um, and of course, going back to this episode to rate this story, I was on this podcast.
0: You were so- <laughs> see. I was gonna make a joke about some random person named Larry being on the episode. It was episode fifty nine. You joined us for that one. Yes. Uh, you and I both gave it four point five out of five stars. Dalton gave it a four, and Allison gave it a two point five, and immediately ducked away from your chair. <laughs>
1: I but- remember that she scooted away <laughs> she <did. laughs> out of arm's reach, and uh, that was uh, that was my first appearance on the Target Book Club.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and uh, i was very proud pr- proud to be there we all sat in your in your living room and uh enjoyed that when the we could <laughs> when we could do that right it was pre-pandemic and i remember i just for 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 effect i brought all this stuff for day of the daleks on it because that's my big uh my big thing is i look for day of the daleks things of course my um my uh my print that i got from chris akilios it's, it's on my wall here and it says to larry and the doctor who collectors podcast your friend chris I looked up and I found out that he did that exactly one month before he passed away. Mm. And I'm just, you know, I was just like, man, I was devastated, but uh, we're going to get some interesting, uh, just a, a little a little teaser for uh, down the road here. I think a couple episodes down the road, I'm going to be talking with Tasha Achilles. Right. So uh, I'm, I've got But uh, the big question will be answered. Will the, shop open up again right Hmm. now the website is up but it says closed for maintenance that's a good sign because it was completely gone after he passed away it actually went to domain for sale the domain is back in uh her hands and uh we'll see what's going on with that and whether or not his artwork will see the light of day again and uh she's a very a very interesting person i think uh my listeners will get a great uh uh, you'll get closer to uh, not only her, but to Chris as well, since uh, we were unable to speak with Chris. He was scheduled for the February interview uh, in 2022, but he passed away in December of 2021. So um, really sad there. Uh, so that's Day of the Daleks. Um, we go now to September of 1981 and we get Doctor Who and the State of Decay by Terence Dix with the cover also by Andrew Skilleter. 3000 were printed and included in the Bundles from Britain catalog for $14. By this month, the writer's strike was settled. So this was a new title that came out along with the Target book. Prints of the cover are still available at andrewskiller.com, And this book is available from WhoStar.com for $185 in new condition. Uh this was a pretty recent episode for you. So uh yep. <laughs> I did listen, I listened to it when it came out. Uh, but tell us about what the club thought of this book.
0: Episode 124. Um, we weren't terribly impressed with this one. Dalton gave it a 2.5. He usually gives higher than that. Hmm. Allison gave it a 1.5, which is low even for her. And I gave it a two. It's uh, Terrence Dicks, generally, when he does his own scripts, does a really good job on them. Robot is readable much Mm -hmm. more than it is watchable. And um, Horror Fang Rock is an amazing book. This isn't which mm. is really unfortunate given that Horror Fang Rock was written as a replacement for this story when they couldn't air it at the time that they were going to. They right. couldn't produce it because the BBC was doing a production of Dracula that year and they right. thought it would take away from the seriousness. Of course, anyone who's seen that production of the, by the BBC of Dracula <laughs> knows that they needn't have worried.
1: So, right, right. yeah,
0: not a great book, unfortunately.
1: That's a shame. I know, because I, I actually enjoyed the TV story uh, quite a bit. It was one of those with Time Lord lore coming into the play. But I also know that Tom Baker was also at this point phoning in his performance
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, a bit. So it wasn't as good as it could have been if Tom Baker had known he was going to be the doctor for five more years. Could have been a different story entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, so there you go. State of Decay. I love this blue. The blue cover seems to be a popular uh Thing. I'm going to bring back the uh, Day of the Daleks. You'll see that's the exact same color that they did for that. Ooh. So that was interesting. The next book, uh, we go to October 1980, and this has an interesting story to it. But we, we are now at Doctor Who and an Unearthly Child, and I just have the first edition Target book to hold up since the hardcover, not very easy to find. Uh, Terrence Dix, the cover is by Andrew Skilleter. Uh, 2,500 copies were printed and not included in the U.S. distribution. And the reason for that is they entirely sold out in England. Ooh. This was the most popular release uh, for the WHL line. In fact, this went to reprint very quickly. Uh, the first print of the Target, by the way, you can tell because if I move the book here, it's got the, the changing color logo. Uh, it's got that, that embossed logo on the front here. You Mm -hmm. kind of feel that the second edition, they didn't do that. Uh, And of course, it says here the publication, first publication of the very first Doctor Who story also says that on the hardcover. Um, This book was published to coincide directly with the five faces of Doctor Who at the strong behest of John Nathan Turner. This was Andrew Skilleter's fastest commission and turnaround to date. The book had a deadline of two weeks before the repeat. So permission had been had been obtained from Anthony Coburn's widow to go forward. The TARDIS in the artwork is actually from Mask of Mandragora, which is why it's not the correct TARDIS from Mm -hmm. An Unearthly Child. So many people have noted, wait a minute, that's not the right TARDIS. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're right. Uh, The rest of the junkyard is pretty accurate. He had seen black and white photos of the junkyard and tried to include elements of that junkyard in including the staircase in the back here and things like that so he tried to make it look like it was in the junkyard um if you uh again the hardcover of course does not have the embossed logo unfortunately uh the book can go uh right now uh i'm gonna guess here that it's gonna go for at least a thousand dollars or more um, and the reason I kind of put it there is about three months ago, somebody did approach me on uh, one of the social media sites, I can't remember, and had a copy of, of this in hardcover, and it looked like it had been torn apart by tigers.
0: Ooh. It was in
1: horrible condition. I mean, the cover was falling off. It was really bent over, and and he wanted $400 for it, and I said, um, I said I'm really sorry. I'm kind of you know, the, the longer, and this is my 42nd year in doctor who collecting. And I, I, I always, uh, I, I sometimes, have you ever watched Pawn stars? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the, I always think of the, the guy that runs that shop, he has walked away from some really amazing things because the price just didn't work. Right. And I, I take his, his lead on a lot of things where if it doesn't work, I'm not going to do it. And, uh, it's, uh, you know, and I, I I weigh things out very carefully. I negotiate. I'm, uh, in fact, I scored a big one uh, today, as a matter of fact, which I'll mention at the end of the, at the show because I was really excited to get a hold of this this other thing. Uh, and if you've been on uh, Facebook or social media, you notice I got a Dalek baby plate recently mm-hmm. and that was, that was, that was a big find. It was a private sale. I can't even disclose what I paid for it and I didn't pay much for it. So, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to mess up somebody else's, uh, sale. So it's, uh, <laughs> it was, it was a great find and I love the thing. It's just amazing how weather being suns, it's in mint condition. There's not a chip on it. It's beautiful. Um, but anyway, back to this, uh, it's, Basically, uh, its collectible value uh, has a lot to do with the lack of U.S. distribution and the fact that many of the copies and majority of the copies that you'll find will be in tattered shape or X library severely, um, you know, red shape. I have not seen, in fact, many of the people I, I associate with who have big hardcover collections have a copy of this, but it's not anywhere near the condition they want. Um, and it's it's just very hard to find. If you did buy one new, you're holding on to it, or you've forgotten you've got it, and it's just not showing up anywhere. Um, now, to the Target Book Club, this would be episode one, isn't it?
0: Yes, our very first episode. <laughs> All the way back when we had Danny and Sheena on the program. Yes. Uh, Danny gave it a four. Sheena gave it the first of her very odd scores. It was a 3.8. Okay. And I gave it a 3.5 because it's not, it's not a bad book at mm. all. It's not Terrence Sticks at his best. He certainly had as quick a turnaround time as Andrew Skilleter did, but it's it's still good. It's still good, and it captures the spirit of the episode a lot better than the very first target book that was ever published. Yes. But, that's true. <laughs> but yeah, it was not a bad book at all.
1: And that's good. And I know uh, just from uh, my own research into the, the whole, that whole anniversary era and the the five faces of doctor who was a huge event because the BBC doesn't repeat anything. Right. And uh, showing an unearthly child to a new audience, it got a lot of attention. It had high ratings and uh, uh, it just, just, uh, just a really uh, amazing moment. And of course, when we saw it here, and uh, I saw it here in the United States at a convention and the room, you could not get a chair. It was full for the big screen version of an unearthly child. And we we just watched it with uh, uh, just glued eyes on the screen. And then afterwards, we got to listen to Carol Ann Ford do a and uh, a Q&A. So that was really exciting. She was the only Hartnell era guest, by the way, on the, at the Spirit of Light show. Hmm. So just a just a really incredible book. And by the way, finding a first edition target copy in mint condition, very hard to find as well. Uh, I noted uh, just the fact that this is an unread copy of a first edition. I've had it for years, but I didn't even think about that when I looked into the hardcover editions. I checked the hardcover, the uh, paperback prices and a new copy of this is going for forty dollars. Mm. so uh in the original price on this and it does not have a u.s price on it which is interesting but it w- it would have been uh one pound 25 back uh in 81 for that uh but only 30 cents in malta so mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and now and now of course we get to the we get to the final book of the year because in december there were no books not sure why but in november of 1981 we get an interesting um it's a reprint but not a reprint I'm not sure what to call it, but we get Doctor Who and the Auton invasion, but we get this this cover here, which um, I'm not a fan of the cover myself, but it's an Andrew Skilleter cover. So it's it's a well-drawn octopus, even though I'm not sure why we had to be uh, subjected to that. And all of the illustrations are still in here from the late Chris Achilleos. Now, let me just I pulled this out just for reference here. Uh, The first hardcover of course, was Doctor and the Auton Invasion. Beautiful Chris Achilleo's cover. Notice just but just from side by side, it's a bigger book. Yes. It's just a, a larger book. And I think the artwork is 10 times better um, than, than this copy. Now, what's interesting is that the inside of this book doesn't say second edition. It says, and I'll, I'll read it exactly here. It says, first published by Ellen Wingate Publishers, this edition, 1981. Mm-hmm. And this book may not be reproduced by any means without permission. Uh, so it, it was newly typesetted. So, but they kept all the illustrations because um, there are some beautiful illustrations in here. I just, let me just get one up here from uh, these illustrations by Chris Achilleos are just amazing. Oh yeah. And uh, they're really quite good. And, the story, uh, it's one of—it's a story I really like, too. Spearhead from Space is one of my favorites. We're not going to have a review of this one because we did it already way back in our first episode. So um, this is uh, the same book, essentially. However, this book, um, of course, uh, page won't move, everybody. That sometimes happens on the podcast. Uh, so you got two great artists in one book here. You get the Andrew Skilleter cover with the Chris Achilles, uh inside. So it's like, uh, you know, it's getting like a, uh, what do I say, a... Um, Uh, a really good uh, French baguette with Wagyu beef on it. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. You know, you're a $500 hamburger. (laughs) Right. I'm not even sure why it's that expensive, but that's that's okay. Anyway, uh, so you get that. Um, 3,000 copies were printed on this, and there's not much else about this reprint, but it's hard to find. We had about 10 copies of these in 1985 that we sold for $15. They all flew off the shelf very quickly. Uh, I have seen copies for $700 or more. There is a copy sitting on eight books of an ex-library copy of this book for $1,300. True. I'm not sure why, but I will report this is a mint condition copy of this reprint. So um, I'm not sure when I got it. It, it maybe it may be the bundle's copy. I don't know if I was allowed to take one, but I have one. So it uh, does not have a sticker on it. So I have no idea. Um, and of course, this uh, you know that basically does it for the the hardcovers. Um, if you want to find out the review of this book, by the way, you've got two options. You can look back at our previous episode for 1974 75, or you can find the target book club episode for the Auton invasion. So there you go. Uh, that takes care of the 1981 hardcover books. If you want to own a set of these, good luck, uh, because I don't have a complete set of these. I finally got 80 completed. That's the only year I have completed except for 74. They only did two bucks. Um, I'm conf- I'm not very confident of finding a copy of Unearthly Child. I've I've always kept an optimistic look of you never know what's going to happen because um I'll I'll tell you what I picked up in a moment that I never thought I was going to get a hold of but uh, I did and this particular book I'm not uh, having the same thing so I made an estimated price of Unearthly Child at about a thousand dollars so if you want to own a set of these books the estimated cost is three thousand seven hundred thirty five dollars. Mm for those 11 books. So there you go. Uh, my advice, of course, to all collectors out there is negotiate, negotiate, negotiate whenever possible. Beware of high-priced starting auctions. Try to look for Buy It Now as if you can and put it on your watch list. And a day later, you might get an offer. That is pretty reasonable. Uh, you might get lucky. Uh, watch the Facebook target book groups. Respected sellers like Dale Santos or David Russell or Jonathan Ruffle, You can find some great deals out there. Um, Of course, my special thanks to my guest here, Tony Witt. um, And of course, tell all our listeners where they can find the wonderful Target Book Club podcast.
0: You can find it at soundcloud.com forward slash doctor who target BC, all one word, no spaces.
1: Oh, very good! Now, um, earlier, earlier tonight, actually, I got a private sale. It is a copy of the Radio Times from 1967 with the Tomb of the Cybermen on the front cover.
0: Oh, awesome!
1: And I'd only seen pictures of it, but I'm getting the actual magazine. Oh, that's great. So that that was uh, kind of kind of like the the baby plate. It kind of just landed on me, <laughs> and, <laughs> and I was like, yes, please. <laughs> I'll take that. Um, And uh, I have a pretty good set of radio times. I need to do an episode on radio times again. My earliest one uh, doesn't have a doctor who cover, but it has in the listings, the survivors, which Mm. is the first appearance of the Daleks. Right. So that would be the, after that aired, that's when people went crazy and, you know, that the marketing went out and million viewers and doctor who was saved. So, (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> so it's always exciting when I when I and of course at the beginning of this podcast in my intro I always list all the le- latest acquisitions uh to the collection but I'll add this one late since so it just happened as I was recording and uh, uh our future episode with uh, we'll continue with classic hardcovers with Tony Witt in 1982 but you're going to have to wait a little while ago because one of the books they haven't covered yet so we have to wait till they review the book and then we'll put this plan together here. Uh, only a few of the 82 books were included in U.S. distribution, and you get a hefty price increase to £5.25. Many of those titles are very hard to find, and no, support, no surprise, I do not have a full set of books from 1982. Uh, follow us on Instagram if you want to see all the full-color art of these, car- of these hardcovers. And uh, you can watch this episode on Patreon with a $15 or more subscription. If you have any photos or proof of life of books uh, that we show here today in better shape, please email them to Doctor Who Collectors Podcast at gmail.com with the photo, with hardcover photos in the subject line so we don't ignore it. Uh, all Andrew Skilleter prints are for sale at andrewskilleter.com. He is a listener, so I try to give him a plug whenever possible. Um, watch this space, of course, for information on the Chris Achilles, uh prints availability, because in a couple episodes, I will be talking with the very wonderful Tasha Achilios. So there we go. Uh, thanks once again, Tony, for being here, my friend. And thank you for having me. You bet. Thanks again. And my listeners, please stay tuned for The Most Outrageous Offer
0: we also get the views of intermediate, casual, and novice fans who either have never seen the show or who have never read these books until these podcasts, including... Dalton Hughes. And... Alison fitch You can find us on iTunes, Stitchers, or wherever you find good podcasts, or even ones like ours. You're listening to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast on the Direction Point Podcast Network. Keep collecting! You are invited on an adventure across all of
1: time and space, in a completely random order. It's the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. Jump in the TARDIS with your hosts,
0: Eric Kilbranson, Asad Khashki,
1: and Matthew Kressel. Explore Doctor Who TV stories, audio adventures, and books, both novels and non-fiction. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. It's the entire universe On Shuffle. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast is a member of the Direction Point Network and is available about once a month wherever
0: you find your podcasts. You are listening to the Doctor Who Collectors podcast. Keep collecting. Hi, I'm Rupert Booth. I am known as Paul Ferry, and my name is Barry Williams. Together, we host Time Ram. Time Ram's a cruel mistress.
1: It's a random number generator.
0: That also. We roll a number from 1 to 13, and that's our doctor. Then 1 to 300 for the story, and then we ram them together. Even if it doesn't make sense. Cruel, I tell you. Time round. Putting the wrong doctors in the wrong stories, so you don't
1: have to. You're listening to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. The verboids are probably the best dirty joke in Doctor Who. They're hermaphroditic plants. A lot of plants are. So there you Plenty. go. That's the, it's based on science. No, oh, they'll ship anything.
0: There are probably 11 and handle shippers out there. You just have to drill a hole where his mouth is and you're all set.
1: You know God. he needs the room. I've seen it in pictures. I'm not saying you're not a fan. I'm saying you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Doctor
0: Who gives a f- a drunken Doctor Who podcast for the end times. All my travelings throughout the universe I have battled against evil
1: Against power mad conspirators I should have stayed here The oldest civilization Decadent, degenerate And rotten to the core Power mad conspirators Daleks, Tontarans, Cybermen They're still in the nursery compared to us. Ten million years of absolute power. That's what it takes to be really corrupt. And now it's time for the most outrageous offer. This is an offer that appears to be way too high for a Doctor Who collectible or a Doctor Who related item that appears to be thousands of percent higher than the actual going price. And so... We look into it and we find out that the link is actually real and the price is actually listed And then we look around to see if we can find it for less and we were successful on today's uh, today's offering So it looks like we have an offer here. Um, The bookstore is the welcome back books from Toledo, Ohio Um, They've been online since 2018 with a seller rating of four out of five stars. So not a perfect rating and um, they say that this book is clean and crisp and new, which is great. Uh, the book in question here is Doctor Who The Ruby's Curse by Alex Kingston. A real nice book. Uh, you know, very, uh, you know, one of those uh, doctors, it's a Doctor Who BBC release. So there we go. Um, They're asking here, it says a new condition, it was a 2021 release, so it's only a year old. Um, they are asking for $936.08. Okay, the first red flag here is the eight cents on the end. Why is it 936.08? This has not been converted into any other foreign currency, so I'm guessing this is not a real um, bookstore. You know, I didn't Google them or anything. Maybe they are a real bookstore. I don't want to, you know, call them out. I did not do my research there, I was just looking for the item. But um, it seems to be just one of those things where this is possibly a robot store where they don't actually have the book. They're hoping you'll pay the price and then they'll buy it cheaper. But here's the good news you can bypass this whole thing because definitely don't pay $936 for this book because I found it in several other places where you can get it brand new for a lot cheaper. Um, first of all, um, you can get it from Amazon.com. Hardcover edition, $18.74. Um, You can also get the kindle edition for $9.99 if you just want to read it, but there you go Uh, I also found a copy on ebay brand-new $14.08 And it looks like uh, free shipping So there you go that that might be the way to go there Uh, grand Grand Eagle retail with a 98.7 positive uh, feedback for Doctor Who, the, the Ruby's Curse. So, there is no reason to pay $900 for a book that you can get for under 15 You know, that's why I do this segment. This is, this is what gets me a little hot under the collar sometimes is there are people out there that want to take advantage of Doctor Who fans and some of the people that sell these books are not Doctor Who fans. They don't really have that, you know, passion for the show. But, they do want to make money. And that's one of the things I, I hear from from retailers, you know, such as the folks at Alien Entertainment or the Who North America that have been in business since before the new Who series. Like, we're talking way back in the 80s when they opened up. Uh, Bundles from Britain was in 80, 84, uh, which later led to other stores and then became, you know, Alien Entertainment later. Um, but uh, the Who shop, have, uh, of course, opened up the same year in 84. They've been through it since Doctor Who was canceled in 89 all the way through. And you won't find these kinds of, of crazy prices at those shops because that's not how they stay in business. So please, you know, if you if you have a question about anything, you can, you know, if you, you find something and you're not sure it's the right price or you think it's too much, Give us an email at Doctor Who Collectors Podcast at gmail.com and we will I will work with you. I'll see what I can find out. It's you know, obviously, you know, time considering and all that. If it if it's a time crunch thing in the the we can discuss that uh, via email or you can find us on Facebook, of course, at Doctor Who Collectors Podcast or Instagram or Twitter or uh, LinkedIn for that matter. We're all out there. <clears throat> so if you need to talk about something, if you want to get something and you're not sure the price is right, Let me know. And I'm more than happy to do that. So the Ruby's curse, my my, uh, estimation here is it will not sell at that $936 price. And there you have it. And that wraps up the 60th episode of the Doctor Who Collectors podcast. I want to thank my guest today, Professor Tony Witt, talking about those hardcover books. We had some interesting stories there. And um, we were just really happy to present uh, today's episode. It was very exciting for me. Uh, coming up in our next episode, we'll be talking with um, uh, author John Walsh on his new book, Doctor Who and the Daleks, The Official Guide to the Film. So that's already, uh, already happened. So we'll get that in the next episode in about two weeks or so. And, um, you know, like I said, the new series is exciting this year. A lot of things happening for the 60th anniversary. So keep up the celebrations. And most of all, Keep collecting until next time. Doctor Who Podcast Network.